0: How are we doing 1130? we doing good? You look good. You look good. So excited that you're here today. Thank you for coming to Hope City Church. And like Pastor Kim said, if you're a guest, we just want to say a big thank you. It's a big deal that you're here. In the 1970s, there was a, a TV show called Kung Fu. It starred uh, David Carradine as uh, Kwai Chang Kane. He was a half-American, half-Chinese character who was trained as a as a Cheyenne monk in China. Anybody see Kung Fu back in the 1970s? Oh yeah, okay, okay. Well, some people have seen it, some people have not. Uh, even if you haven't seen it, I would be willing to bet that you are familiar with a famous line that came from uh, from the show. In flashbacks, in the very first episode, um, Kane was being trained by Master Poe, and Poe says to Cain in that first episode, he says, uh, close your eyes, and what do you hear? And Cain says to Poe, he says, I hear the water, I, I hear the, the birds. Poe says, do you hear your own heartbeat? And Cain says, no. And Poe says, do you hear the grasshopper which is at your feet? And Cain said to Poe, he said, old man, how is it that you hear these things? And Poe said back to Cain, young man, how is it that you do not? And from that point forward, Poe referred to Cain as, anybody know? Young grasshopper, that's right. And that phrase has been used in, um, in martial arts movies ever since. Now, i got to be honest with you, in full disclosure, I've never seen the show Kung Fu. I just totally Wikipedia'd everything I just told you right there. Uh, never seen the show. Watched a couple YouTube clips. Have, have no recollection of that show. I was born in 83, so I, I missed it a little bit. Um, I, I totally Wikipedia'd but I knew that we were going to be talking about grasshoppers today, and so I just scoured the depths of the internet sea, which I do not recommend to find that out. Now, I've never seen Kung Fu, but I do like, me and my son Solomon really like its animated remake, Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3. Anybody? Come on, Kung Fu Panda. We love us some Kung Fu Panda. So, so knowing we were going to be talking about grasshoppers, did a little research, why don't you uh, just do me a favor for just a moment. Why don't you turn to the person you're sitting beside, and why don't you just go ahead and tell them the title of my message in your most politically correct Chinese martial arts instructor voice, all right? Tell them patience, young grasshopper. Come on, tell them patience, young. I don't know. That, that was my martial arts voice. I don't know. Patience, young grasshopper. I, I spent three years living in Lexington, Kentucky as a young child. Scarred me for life. Uh, still dealing with a lot of issues <laughs> from living in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, no, all kidding aside, I lived in Lexington. Uh, I moved there when I was three, and we left when I was seven or eight. And uh, we lived in a pretty cool place, just a few houses with the with the people that my dad worked with. And um, on the property, there was this huge hill that led up to this this top area where a campground was, where my brother and I would uh, would go play. And when I say that this hill was huge, I mean it was huge, straight up. And uh, I was never able to get my bike to the top of the, of the hill. Even when I got seven or eight years old, I was never a- able to, to get up there. And so what would happen, and you've probably had this happen, is, uh, is I would go as fast as I could, and I would try to get up the hill. And then I would, at some point, momentum kind of catches you. And you hop off the bike, and you walk the bike uh, to, to the top, you know, the rest of the way. And so when we moved back to Kentucky 12 years ago, I had never been to the property from the time we moved until we moved back to Kentucky 12 years ago. So when we moved back 12 years ago, I happened to be in Lexington going to where uh, we, we were raised and pull onto the property. And when I get on the property, something amazing had happened, something unbelievable had happened. In the time that I had left, when I got back, someone had shrunk the hill. And some of you get it most of you get it but if you if you if you're a little confused no one actually shrunk the hill uh it had ju- i had gotten bigger the hill had not gotten smaller i had gotten bigger and maybe this has has happened to you maybe you went back to a house that you grew up in and you could have sworn like your bedroom was huge and you go back and it's tiny or uh, you visit a school you attended, and you remember the hallways being so wide, or the school building being so big, and it's not. Or this is my favorite. Some of y'all can relate to this. You you think you look at a picture of a time back when you thought you were big, and now you wish you were that big. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, we've all kind of uh, we've all kind of been there, and it's a really kind of powerful life lesson for us that. That the things in our life that we feel like are so big, um, they don't get smaller over time. We, we, get, we get bigger over time. We could say like this, that the size of the challenge is determined by your perspective. That the size of the challenge is determined by your perspective. I'm sure you've done this at some point. All of us probably have. But there's come a time where you held your thumb up and you covered the moon. Or you covered the sun or the Empire State Building or the Statue of Liberty or whatever it is. And it just goes again to remind us that the size of an object or the size of a challenge is is dictated or determined by, by perspective. And so today we're continuing this series, Mountains Move, and we're talking about perspective. Specifically, we are talking about how we view ourselves how we view ourselves. There's an interesting scripture in Numbers chapter 13. If you have a Bible you're using, you can find it there. If not, it'll be up on the screen, and we'll be there in just a, a few moments. But there's an interesting scripture in Numbers 13 that explains it perfectly. And just to give you a little bit of context for the story, Moses uh, had led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt after spending, you know, 430 years in slavery. Now they are out in the desert for just a, a few weeks headed towards the land that God had promised uh, them that they could have. It was actually referred to as the promised land because it had been promised to them. And God told Moses, this is your land. You need to go take it. You need to attack. You need to go. I'm giving it to you. It's yours for the taking. But Moses did something that all of us are guilty of doing uh, he, instead of doing what God told him to do, he went and asked some other people's opinions. Moses tried to build um, consensus. And it brings up an interesting point. This is not the point of the message. We'll get to the main point in, in just a second. But it's an important enough lesson. I think we need to stop for just a moment and, and, and learn it. And here's the lesson, that sometimes it's wise to ask other uh, people's opinions or to get feedback. But other times, it's a terrible idea. Sometimes it's wise, but other times it's a terrible idea. And this instance, it was a terrible idea because Moses already had clear instruction from God. He already knew what he was supposed to do, knew what he needed to do. He already had God's promise. He already had the vision. He already had the dream, whatever it is. He already had it. But instead of attacking, he chose to to, uh, ask the opinions of others. Henry Ford, obviously the the guy who created Ford cars, he's famously quoted for saying, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. It's a great quote. And and the quote is just meant to to remind us that, that most of the time people don't know what they want. And especially, most of the time, people don't know what they want for you. And, and this is just really a sobering, a sobering truth, that, that when we hear God, when God gives us a dream for our life, a vision for our life, when he speaks to us, when we, when we have this nudge, you're never going to be 100% certain. But when you feel as certain as you can with God, and, and you feel as if he put a dream or an idea in your heart or, or a vision in your life you need to go and you need to do it. And it's not that you shouldn't involve other people in the process because sometimes there is wisdom in that. But what's also true is that sometimes the people who love you the most will give you the worst advice because they don't want to see you hurt or fail. It's out of their love for you that they'll say you shouldn't take the risk. It's out of their love for you that they'll say you shouldn't act by faith because they don't want to see you experience pain or, or fail. Sarah Blakely had an idea, and she was so passionate about this idea that she worked on it for a year without telling anybody, including her mom. Sarah Blakely's idea was Spanx, right? Spanx, okay? Now, a lot of you guys don't know about Spanx. A lot of you ladies probably do. I don't know. But Spanx is a, valued at as a $1 billion company. One billion dollar company. You're all thinking like, why didn't I think of that idea? Why didn't I think of that, right? And when Sarah Blakely was asked why she didn't tell anybody for a year, I love her answer. She said, I didn't tell anybody. I knew I had a good idea, but I didn't tell anybody because a dream is most vulnerable at its inception. I love that quote. That a dream is most vulnerable vulnerable an idea a dream a vision purpose calling it's most vulnerable at its inception and if you're not careful you will have an idea a dream a calling from god and you'll mention it to someone who you love and they love you and you're expecting them to be excited and to and to be pumped for you and they're not and it takes all the air out of your balloon doesn't it And you're thinking, why aren't they as excited as I am? Why don't they see it the way that I see it? Why don't they understand it the way that I understand it? And they don't because God gave you the dream. God gave you the idea. He gave you the vision. And so Moses makes the mistake instead of attacking, of trying to get consensus out of these 12 guys, and I can't even get me and my wife to agree on where to eat dinner. So you know that Moses is not going to get 12 guys to agree that they need to attack a land, oh, by the way, where there's giants. That's exactly what happens in Numbers chapter 13. Starting with verse 30, we're going to read three verses together. Numbers 30, uh, 13, 32, 33, it says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And Caleb said, Let's go at once to take the land. He said, We can surely or certainly conquer it. Listen, I hope you have some Calebs in your life. I hope you have some Caleb voices in your life. I hope you are a Caleb voice for somebody else that when an idea comes up, a dream comes up, a calling, a, a, an act of faith is something that God, some, uh, that God has put on someone's heart. Don't be a voice of reason every time. Don't be uh, a realist every time. Be a Caleb. Hey, listen, if God's put that dream in your heart, I don't totally understand it, but you go for it because God's given you that dream if you if, if after praying for that thing, you say that this is what God wants you to do I'm behind you, man I'm praying for you I'm believing with you if you can't think of something good to say, what would mama say? Just don't say nothing okay? because I know you think we need your opinion we don't need it, it, it I, we love you, but we don't we don't need it we're looking for Caleb voices in, in our lives and I want you to be a Caleb voice and so uh, the other men who had explored the land with Caleb disagreed. you always find somebody who will disagree. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. That is a true statement, fact. They, so they spread this bad report. Who was it? Uh, who's the famous author who wrote Huckleberry Finn? Mark Twain, Mark Twain said bad news, gets its, get, bad news makes it halfway around the world before good news gets its pants on, puts its shoes on. So they spread the bad news, because bad news spreads, around the, the camp among the Israelites. And this was the, uh, this was the bad report. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And all the people that we saw were huge. That's true. Second true statement. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Enoch. And if you have a Bible that allows you to highlight or underline or anything like that, just make note of this next line. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. What an interesting statement, right? Now, it's not a shock that these guys would say, compared to giants, we felt like grasshoppers. Because sometimes, honestly, giants have a way of bringing us back down to size. Sometimes, honestly, mountains can shrink our our mindset a little bit. So it's not that strange that, that guys looking at giants would say, we felt like grasshoppers. But their next six words tells us the truth about what was in their hearts. Their next six words were, and that's what they thought too. Notice the exclamation point at the end of that sentence. I don't know why, but in the last year, like my eyes are way more attentive to uh, punctuation in the Bible. I'm not exactly sure why this is happening. But I I, I noticed the exclamation point there. These guys were not saying, you know, and uh, they probably thought the same thing too. No, what they were saying was, we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and they thought the same thing too. They felt the same way. They were certain that, How they viewed themselves is exactly how the Giants viewed them as well. They were adamant. And here's what I'm learning in my life is that I need to be really careful if I'm spending a lot of time talking in exclamation points in all caps. You ever got a text message from somebody in all caps? You're like, come on, bro. I mean, like, seriously, let's uh, back down. Um, I've just noticed for me in my life, and I can only speak for me, so, for me, if I'm spending a lot of time talking with a lot of exclamation points and a lot of all caps, I'm probably a little too emotionally invested to be seeing things clearly or making the right decision or, or even understanding exactly what God wants me to do in a situation if I'm always up here. <laughs> I can't live here. And so, notice what they say. Notice what they say. I mean, we saw these giants, the descendants of Enoch, and, and we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and that's exactly what they thought too. They're, they're just, they're certain that that is true. And uh, it's an interesting phenomenon, really, but it's so, it's so prevalent in our lives. It's one of the de- devil's favorite, favorite uh, weapons. He convinces us, the devil does, he convinces us that other people see us the way that we see ourselves. I, I, I could say it, uh, I could say it this way. I think you see me how I see me. I think you see me how 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 I see me. So I think I'm a bad dad. So I'm sure you think I'm a bad dad too. You think you're a bad mom, so you're convinced everyone else thinks you're a bad mom. You think you're overweight, so you think everybody else thinks you're overweight. You think that you're uh, impatient. You think everybody else thinks you're impatient. You think that you are uh, Uh, Unaccomplished? You think everyone else thinks you're unaccomplished? You 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 think that uh, you that freckle on your nose is so big and everybody sees it? You know you see it, so everybody else sees it. Everything about yourself, you notice it, and you are so sure that how you see you is how everyone else sees you. Confident that others agree with your assessment of yourself, but if we could just be honest this morning, probably most of the time we're, we're the worst person to assess ourselves, right? Recently, uh, the company Dove put out a, a video campaign on, on the internet. You may have seen it because over 67 million people viewed it on, uh, on YouTube, and it was just too powerful to not show it this morning, just kind of affirming this idea that, that we think other people see us the way we see ourselves, and I, I wanna show you this, this little three-minute video that they put out.
1: Forensic artist, worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them, they couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today, I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin.
0: She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes. Very nice blue eyes. So
1: here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the sketch that you helped me create, and that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So, yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that
0: aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. And they felt or thought the same thing too. Here's what I'd like to do for the time we have left today. I just want to challenge you. You know, as a part of this Mountains Move series, I'm, I'm challenging you over this series to, to dream bigger, work harder, and pray longer. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge you. And I really want to challenge you today to not let your giants steal your courage. Stop looking at how big your giants are, how big your mountain is, and start thinking about how big your God is. Stop allowing your courage to be stolen because you're comparing what you're not to maybe what they are or it is. If God's given you a dream, go for it. If God's put something on your heart, keep praying, keep working. Don't stop because you're sure that everyone agrees that you can't or you won't or you shouldn't. Pray, work, show up, go for it. If God has given you a dream, it doesn't matter how big the giants are or how big the mountain is. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge you to eliminate the third word. Everybody say the third word. Come on, say it one more time, the third word. I want you to eliminate the third word. The third word is so powerful, you don't even realize how often you say the third word. And, and I want to I show you what I mean. If I was to record conver- your conversations for 30 days, conversations with yourself, conversations with uh, the people around you, you, you would be amazed at how often you use the third word. The third word makes you feel like a grasshopper in your own eyes, and it is the voice that keeps telling you that everyone else feels the same way that you do. The third word is not. I am not, it's the third word, I am not, I'm not a people's person, I'm not a people person, I'm not organized enough, I'm not responsible enough, I'm not patient enough with my kids, I'm not a good mom, I'm not a good dad, I'm not a good spouse, I'm not working hard enough, I'm not, it's the third word, I am not, I am not, and we tell ourselves over and over again, you don't even realize how often you're speaking that language to yourself and saying that third word to yourself, I am not, and I am not has a tag team partner, and they're a duo that's pretty strong, because I am not's partner is I will never, I will never be married, I will never have a baby, I'll never be thin, I'll never get out of debt, I'll never have the faith that I need, I will never get clean. I will never, I am not. It's the third word that shows up in our lives all the time, and it makes us feel like grasshoppers. And it's constantly telling us what we can't do, what we think we will never be. It makes us feel as though we're disqualified. And we constantly focus on what we're not. I had dinner last night with a seventh grader. And he, uh, I asked him how he was doing in school, and he said, uh, I did really good. First report card, I got all A's. Second report card, I got all A's. Third report card, I got all A's and one B, but I'm just not very good at English. That's what we say, right? I'm not. I'm not. Where, where in your life are you saying, I am not? Where in your life do you keep telling yourself, I am not, I'm not a good friend, I'm not responsible enough, I'm Not fun enough, I am not. Because the devil will not interrupt you. He will allow you to keep telling yourself everything that you're not and reminding yourself or get yourself believing of all the things that you will never be. But what I wanna challenge you to do today is I wanna challenge you to eliminate the third word. Eliminate the third word and stop talking about what you're not. Most of what you think you're not is not even true anyway. Maybe you're just not for now doesn't mean you're not. You know, there was a time in my life where I was not a father, but I am now. Some things are just seasonal. And so you you keep telling yourself I am not, I will never, I am not, I will never. But what if instead of eliminating the third word, let's try this instead cuz that may be hard to do. What if we just replaced the third word? And instead of talking about what I am not or what I will never, what if we started replacing those statements with things that are 100% absolutely true all the time? What if we replaced the third word with I am more? I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who has loved me. That's Romans 8, 37. What if we replaced the third word instead of I will never or I am not? What if we said he is able? He is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine according to his power. Not my power. According to his power that is at work within me. That's Ephesians 3.20. What if instead of saying I am not, we started saying I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What if we replace the third word and talking, stop talking about all the things that we are not, that hardly anyone agrees with you anyway. And started talking about what was true and what God says we were but I want to show you one more thing. I got a little bit more time. I just want to show you one more thing. And I love this about God because while we're up here talking about eliminating the third word, I love that God doesn't need three words, He just needs two. In, in Exodus chapter three, God shows up to Moses. Moses is hiding out in the desert, and God shows up in a bush. You've heard the story. And He shows up and He says to Moses, Moses, you are my guy. You're my guy, I, I want you, I choose you, I've been waiting on you, I know you think you've wasted your life, it's been 80 years, but you're my guy, let's go. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses did what we do. Every time God shows up and gives us a dream or an idea or a calling on our life, he's like, I, I am not your guy, God. I, I, am, I am not a good public speaker. Uh, I am not a law-abiding citizen in Egypt. I am not qualified to lead that amount of people. Uh, I, I am not even sure I'm welcome in Egypt. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And God will not take Moses' excuses or reasons why he's not because God says he is the guy. And so after all of this is done and Moses' excuses with God are over... Moses asked God a question, and it's not a question. It's the question that we've got to decide for our lives. Moses says to God, God, okay, fine, I'm going to go. But when I get there, everyone's going to know, why me? Everybody's going to want to know, why, Moses, do you get to come and let the people go? Why are you the deliverer? Why are you the leader? Hey, I know you. Didn't you kill a guy one time? Hey, you have a stuttering problem. Why you? And God, when I get there... Who am I supposed to say qualified me? Who am I supposed to say enabled me to do this? Who should I say sent me, Moses asked God. It's the question you'll have to decide in your life. Why me? Why do I get to start the business? Why do I get to be the mom of that kid? Why do I get to climb or cross this mountain? And God says back to Moses, not three words, two words. He says, I am. God told Moses, he said, when you get there, tell them that I am sent you. And see, I could stand up here today, and I can't talk about you, so I can just talk about me, but I could stand up here today, and I could give you a hundred reasons why I am not the best person to be the pastor of this church. I could stand up here and give you a hundred reasons why I am not the perfect dad to Sadie, Nora, Solomon, and Ezekiel. I could stand up here and give you a hundred reasons why I am not the best husband that I could be or could have been to my wife. I could tell you where I fall short. I could tell you where I'm inadequate. I could tell you all the reasons why God is dumb for choosing me. But every time I say I am not to God, He didn't respond with three, He responds with two. But I am. I am. I am. God, I can't do this. I, I, I'm not able. He says, I am. God, I can't do this. I am not. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not a people person. He says, but I am. He says, I, I, I can't do this, God, because I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't talk that well. He says, but I am. I am. You know, he actually said five words before he said two words. I, I love that part out. God said to Moses, I am who I am, which is a profound truth maybe you need to accept for your life this, t- this morning. Like at some point you got to look in the mirror and you say I am who I am. Like I'm not going to stay where I am, but I am who I am and and, and he said just tell them I am sent you, called you, qualified you, empowered you. I am. So I don't know what you think you're not today, but listen, he is. I don't know what you think you're incapable of, but listen, he is. I don't care how big your giant is. I don't care how big your mountain is. God is bigger. Let's pray.